0: it's the time again where the Dice Are Screaming podcast returns. Oh,
1: oh yeah, it yeah, fell a little flat. Yeah, That's like we do. Well, you can expect no more than that from the greasy pompadour of gaming podcasts.
0: Ouch. Uh, your guys here at the Dice Are Screaming. I'm Randy. I am Mike. And we are the Dice Men, And we form the Dice Are Screaming podcast, coming at you with our part two of the Forgotten Realms.
1: And a part two was completely merited. Uh, Actually, some terrific people brought up a few things uh, that, well, at least one of them was already pre-planned to appear in this episode instead uh, as we're going to start tackling the evolution of the Forgotten Realms campaign setting into the modern era uh, with associated ties to its novels and other releases. So, uh, good on you for catching that. That was actually something that we meant to touch bases on
0: right and so we'll get into that but first we have a call in from frothoff we do call in call in call, call in. in call in call in from frothoff we always love to hear from you man so uh, we'll get right to it take it away Froth. gentlemen it's froth uh great episode on the forgotten realms
1: wanted to compliment y'all um with both, I'm more of a Greyhawk person, but with both of them, I really like to prefer the first edition sets the most. Maybe it's because a bunch of lore hasn't been piled up. I don't really care for kind of post-wars Greyhawk, but, um, although the second edition Forgotten Realms set is really nice, um, but anyway, I don't hate on any settings like some people do, but something I wanted to mention is there's a, probably the most underrated TSR module under Illifarn for Forgotten Realms is so great, um. I think that's a, maybe one of the, you know, next to maybe Homlet or Keep on the Borderlands. It's probably one of the best, if not the best, introductory adventures. Um, so, anyway, great job as always. See y'all.
0: All right. Thank you for that, uh, Pratha. Yeah. Um, it was Module N5 by Steve Perrin under Ilfarn. And, yeah, that was a real... Uh, meaty dig into the Forgotten Realms right off the get-go, where you create characters from Daggerford.
1: Yes, a uh, small locale also highlighted in the original box set material, uh, but a worthy location.
0: Yeah, and so many areas around it to explore, uh, opening up the minds of Ilfarin, and the York Lair and uh, the Elf King of Laughing Hollow. And other locales that were opened up for adventure after you completed all the main ones inside the area. So it was seeded with a lot of adventure ideas for later exploration. So, yeah, good catch on that one. Yeah,
1: they they stayed true to the core concept, which was to leave behind a lot of material that the DM could expand upon at will. Right. Uh, However, you know, it should be mentioned that uh, Under Ilfarn is, in fact, a fine standalone module that... Uh, required no more no less.
0: Yep, sorry about that. Uh well, anyway, um you're also right that it has uh a lot of meat on the bone on that one as well. As it makes it a classic. So we should probably at some point uh review that. Yeah. I only have a PDF copy. Oh. Yeah, my uh collection of programs is a little lacking, but however, we'll uh, look into that later. But nonetheless, um yeah, Hate Non Campaign yeah, I'm not big into that. I'm a Greyhawk guy myself, so this whole thing is kind of a, a re- act of redemption.
1: I, yeah, I I gotta say, um, I've never really despised a campaign setting proper. Okay, I just whether it was the Dark Sun campaign setting or uh, the Ravenloft campaign setting, Oh, Forgotten Realms, Greyhawk. I I really enjoyed them all. I mean just a lot of quality games took place and it has a lot more to do with the the people you sit down at the table with than it does with the material Uh, Mm -hmm. you know uh, little quality DMing and some good laughs amongst friends in every setting is a winner so uh, I I never got into what was the one in space Spelljammer Spelljammer that I never got a a real crack at playing that uh I was really mono-focused on fantasy at the time. Uh, So, you know, as as much as I liked science fiction uh, prior to that, at the time, at the precise time it came out, I just didn't pay much attention to it. It's Uh, kind
0: of a varied one. And Dragonlance,
1: now that, uh, that was another campaign setting that we got some great mileage out of, multiple campaign runs. Uh, I don't think we ever actually finished it because not all the modules were out at the
0: time. No, they weren't. And we were having some problems. Um, anyway.
1: Oh, um, yeah, staffing issues. Uh, yeah. We had a rotating cast. Yeah, Ooh. we had
0: people just not show up for a while because of school and things like that. It was that kind of sophomore, junior year where you're just hip deep in school. And exactly. Activities.
1: You know, the, the half our crowd was seniors and the other half were juniors. So, you know, some people are fine. They can, they can show up. And the other half of the crowd is like, ah, I got finals. Ah. You
0: know. Yeah. So <laughs> it was it was tough. But uh, yeah, uh, not hey, not any of We'll cover some other ones some other time. But uh, we're going to be right back after the break as we have a little message from our sponsor. So we'll catch you soon. All right, and we're back after those messages. Thank you again. Anchor Podcast is the way to go. It's fun and easy, and it's really simple, giving you a lot of tools. So hey,
1: I'm loving this. I I happen to think the world of uh, the. app and outlet that makes this possible, so more than happy to give a shout-out and say yes. So, that brings us to the the, the marrow in the bones, Yeah. to crack the bones open. Obviously. That's
0: right, let's get into it. Uh, so, last week we left off uh, gushing craze about the Gray Box, the first edition of Forgotten Realms. And yeah. Along on the heels of that, now after, was the second edition, and... Uh,
1: and it was at, in this first edition, second edition zone that you first began to see novelizations crop up, uh, which, uh, many kudos to R.A. Salvatore.
0: Uh, yeah, along with other art, uh, authors, uh, during that first edition, they, uh, they tried to grasp what was going on with uh, the Dragonlance, where the novelizations were sort of based off of the modules and then sort of overtook that. I'm not going to really dwell on that, but just to say this, it was a formula that seemed to pave the way to the future, and so TSR was hip to get on board with this, and so they published a lot of novels with modules attached afterwards, where you were pretty much just chasing the novelization.
1: Now, I don't necessarily approve of this as a technique per se, okay? I I differ in whether I think of that as a good way to be guided for game design. I actually don't think that that was a great recipe. Uh, The novels, some of them, the earlier ones before the the Mad Chase began, uh, I I think many of them stood very well on their own, and... we all remember Drizzt Dorden and Bruenor Battlehammer, and you know just some iconic characters that came out of that literature, uh, and that literature taking place in Ed Greenwood's world, uh you know, cemented a place for it. Uh, as a, as we transition from one edition into the next, uh, there was a you know pretty well spelled out, well defined place for Forgotten Realms in people's imagination. I. Was not a big fan of the novels as I was of the campaign setting per se, but uh, you know I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bite too hard on it because no. some of them pretty quality stuff. It, it, it's always so. It is always thus in fantasy literature that is being optioned, uh, where there's a original source and then a bunch of different authors jump on board and. Bring forth their their vision, so these competing visions mean it's kind of topsy turvy. You it's potluck. You you don't know what you're going to get. Uh, sometimes the weird green stuff your aunt brought over for the potluck mm. is amazing, and other times it's horrific uh, to a chthuloid degree.
0: Just, jello salad, yeah,
1: yeah. You know, you just don't know what you're going to get. Green so, jello salad,
0: just yeah,
1: so you... yeah. The true midwestern nightmares. Uh,
0: so, but, um, that aside, um, directly speaking, the Forgotten Realms moved forward with second edition, and in grand style to kind of inaugurate or kick it off, they came up with the Time of Troubles, and this was a three-part novelization, as well as a number of modules where you could sort of play the transition from first to second, where character classes were going poof, and, yeah. you know, and, uh, the planes were changing, they were no longer... The Bad Place, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, um, the Satanic Panic having taken its toll, which, again, we're not really going to get into, but that was just where it was at the time. Hate it or like it. Yeah,
1: that's worth a whole episode
0: of its own. We'll we'll handle that some other
1: time and place.
0: No, we're basically Um, writing our own meal ticket as we walk to this. But it did leave a sour taste in the mouth. Uh, The Forgotten Realms Compendium came out for 2nd Edition uh, very quickly after the launch of the first three books, and they were quick to adapt to the new changes in the rules and some of the setting, which regard in some regards was not that drastic. Uh, first and second edition are not so thematically apart, except for the absence of certain things like demons and devils and uh, the aforementioned missing classes, no more assassins or barbarians or cavaliers. So they kind of had to make up for this with kits and things like that. So the forgotten realms was very quick to get on board. A companion was very uh, quick to get on board to, be on top of these changes. Also, the introduction of gunpowder was quite the feisty topic in the day.
1: Now, yeah, you you might as well just let me let me run with this
0: one, bro. Okay, I'm just gonna step back here and uh, you know there may be a little foam. Okay. I, All right. I gunpowder.
1: apologize in advance. There may be flecks of spittle and wild-eyed rage. Um, I don't hate campaign settings. Okay, I loved the Forgotten Realms as a setting what was done to it, uh, you know, it was it was not unlike uh, falling in love and then watching them savagely murdered before your very eyes and then you arise from the ashes and someday you become Batman and all you want to do is go out and punch people in the face for what happened to your beloved. So I I was not in the slightest amused by the transition period for Forgotten Realms in particular. Greyhawk came out of the changeover in much better shape, uh, I think. It was was handled much more humanely. The radical alterations that they thought they were capping from popular novels uh, and that would liven up the campaign setting I think they belonged in the novel, see I'm not objecting to the fact that somebody wrote a thing in the Forgotten Realms setting and that it was a book and that people read it and liked it. I'm lamenting that then the fantasy campaign material that came out that you're expected to work with represented these monumental changes to setting that frankly were ham-fisted, they were over the top, I, I just really felt clownish. And that represented the last contact I had with a Forgotten Realms campaign setting until at least an edition later. Uh, it killed it for me, uh, point blank. So yeah. I, I don't want to be unfair. I am talking about how I felt at the time, so I, I can't give the the final word. You know, if, if somebody else out there remembers the time of troubles, uh, alterations to the campaign setting and that was your high moment. That this was the moment that like you entered the game and hit your stride and your party was on point and just games were rocking every weekend. All right good for you man. You know it obviously it didn't affect everyone the way it affected me, but I had started with Forgotten Realms from its initial release, uh, thought the world of it Really learned more about world crafting and adventure building, and like just letting an idea germinate and transform into and a campaign, campaign management.
0: You spent yeah. time a lot of time uh, stocking up towns with uh, merchants to buy stuff from, including magic items, Bingo. and NPCs to meet and trade with.
1: Yeah, I, I really learned a lot from the entire campaign setting in its early releases, and that second edition alteration dumbfounded me. I was just like, "How could they do this to me?"
0: We would still have a few games in the Forgotten Realms uh, here and there, but they were like, and more towards the middle part, they started to get away from that, because there was a lot of backlash against it.
1: Yeah, that would be me, yeah. Yeah,
0: and there were a lot of people who didn't feel that it really added anything, and that this would come into the what I call the, the Silver Age of Forgotten Realms, and I, I'm just going to borrow some things uh, that are common, nomenclature, yeah, nomenclature, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> screwed that Nomenclature? Up. Yeah. All right. No Sorry. worries, mate. Uh, My fumble tongue. That are just normal parlance for the course of these conversations. And about, I would say around the mid-90s, or early mid-90s, uh, they started re-kind of doing the Forgotten Realms again with uh, some quality material and revisiting the sources. Now, again... For whatever reason, that uh, TSR's management, they didn't publish many campaigns. And I think this is one of the shames of 2nd edition where they lost focus. They were more set on the novels. And again, we've already covered that, so I'm not going to belabor it any further other than just giving a slight mention for context. And they were counting on these to kind of move the campaign forward. Well, the thing is, nobody was playing and there was no commonality of experience that you had, like in the early days of Dungeons and Dragons. Like, hey, Horrors came out, Expedition to Barrier Peaks came out, yeah. and people were playing that. Or, oh, you did you play go through the uh, studying of the Hill Giant Chieftain and uh, G One? Oh man, that was a tough module.
1: Yeah, it, it was kind of a i I, I I'm going to go with the term mission creep, where they had kind of advanced on so many locations. You know, like, uh, well, here we got the publishing arm, and here we got the 18 different campaign settings, but you didn't write modules. Or at least, not as many of them, and not... Adventures
0: that were linking the themes together that the Forgotten Realms had strength in. And that was one of the strengths of a campaign world like the Forgotten Realms, is it has all this lore. And they felt that it was better developed through the novelization. And kind of, the Forgotten Realms is also a study in the fall of TSRs. You know, the... So the campaign went, world went, so did TSR, because it was their flagship. But out of that came the Draconomicon, which was an excellent supplement for whatever uh, campaign you were running, even for Greyhawk or even Dragonlance. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, then uh, the one, uh, the Underdark one for the Drow, I forget the name Mental of it. Yeah, there was a box set, but there was also a book. The oh, Drow of the Underdark. Oh, Drow of the Underdark. Yep, and... Uh, you know there were good supplements that came out of that that really added value not only just to the Forgotten Realms but to gaming in general. Oh, if-
1: and hey, you know, I, I gotta you know I give it with one hand and take it away with another, and I, I, I've taken away uh, with uh, some comments that may have seemed a little you know decisively uh, anti, but but there were a lot of other good materials. I have a lot of supplements. i still retain a semi-complete set of second edition materials, uh, ready for use and play. Uh, So, you know, love-hate relationship. I was not satisfied with everything, but you make a great point, which is there were some terrific supplements. There were great writers working on staff. Uh, some top-flight material was getting published that is still useful and that you can harvest core concepts from to this day. You, you can improve your game in
0: any edition with some of this stuff. And more to the point, um, the Ruins of Undermountain, that huge mega dungeon, oh. was a great example of the core strengths of Forgotten Realms. Here you were using the lore, you were using uh, the setting and an establishment of various characters and commonplace happenings near one of the largest cities, Waterdeep along with the Waterdeep module or a supplement, the City of Wonder, um, combined with that, made an excellent dungeon campaign where you could just go plunder Undermountain and then come back to Waterdeep and have these adventures, much like it would use a lot of the modular system from the Lankmar City of Adventure.
1: Very, very similar. I mean, if you examine the the materials, uh, Waterdeep's uh, city guides, you know, they, they show... That somebody had taken notes, somebody learned lessons, and they watched this this is what is this is what is best in life
0: Conan. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And they they took notes and they used them wisely. Uh, They made the most of the city environment in a way that both players and DMs could get a lot out of. Now, worth mentioning uh, that was not the only supplement That dedicated some time to cities. Uh, There were various... Slam. There were various uh, supplements that came from Forgotten Realms, uh, each featuring different nations uh, or a small group of nations uh, focusing on a region at a time. And those supplements were all pretty darn useful. Yeah, they, they were now, republishing
0: what had been done in the first edition, and that, made a, little that pe- made a sore point for some people. Why are we rebuying?
1: There you go. And the, that is, you, you just nailed yeah. my end point. Which is, sorry. i sorry. I mentioned exactly what I had said last week, was these terrific supplements. And the end point was, they all came out again in the new setting, and it certainly ground a few people's gears. I was already reeling from the Time of Troubles thing, and the next materials I started seeing released were things that I had already gone and gotten. Uh, and I, I viewed with some resentment... Yeah. Uh, ...that I was obligated to restock, and I just opted out. I, I chose to... Yeah,
0: and it's understandable because at first it seemed like, okay, well, they're updating the things, maybe there's some new content, and then you buy them, and you were like, it's really not that much.
1: No. Uh, you no. Know, on the occasions that they generated new content... I think the writing was on point. There were yeah. good people making good product. Uh, but the crassness of uh, reissues mm-hmm. uh, wore some people down. And that leads to exactly what you were saying about, which was the fall of TSR. A little hubris, looking for the cheap way out. You know, Do we really want to spend a yeah, lot of time if you're on the Yeah, you going to make something
0: new, make something like the Ruins of Undermountain box set. And, and I gush about it because it was a mega dungeon, but it was done so that no two experiences... No two campaigns, no two tables, no two individual DMs would run it the same exact way, and that is a big thing to pull that, off.
1: That's an accomplishment. Uh, you know, when you deliver a package like that to people, again, you're also you're not just selling a single adventure. Okay, you're not selling yeah. a single product. You're selling an idea. Uh, you're selling brand loyalty. You know, people who are thrilled and impressed with something they pass it around to their friends. Uh, In the age before viral marketing uh, via the internet, uh, gamers were almost like, you know, point zero for the concept of viral marketing. If something intruded into the headspace of one-click of uh, gamers, the next thing you knew, it was jumping tables at the con. Uh, You know, it's wintertime in the Midwest and people are doing conventions. Pow! It spreads like the freaking flu. Uh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or uh, concrete yeah <clears throat> so I think you got something on there pandemic
1: yeah that? It, um. it had that kind of impact so it was it was a mistake on their part to kind of walk away from the most amazing stuff that they had created and to kind of aim for somewhat more lackluster less you know profound impressive or prof- less profoundly impressive product uh, and that that cost them dearly but no, that was not the end for the Forgotten Realms.
0: No, uh, it's also going into that. The, the Forgotten Realms, they were playing it safe, uh, to use like music terms. They were just phoning it in. You know, they just they were showing up and they were just putting on the supplement to, you know, had the uh, product line. Nonetheless, um, they would continue. There were some good things that came out of it, like we just discussed, but some of the bad things began to become apparent. Like, almost every... One of the things that became ubiquitous with the Programming Rooms is every village or town or city had an umpteenth-level mage at the center of it. Anyway. And there was a sort of kind of, like, okay, you know, any place is... You know, a small village is going to have an 18th level wizard at the center. And I kind of had a... Yeah,
1: high fantasy overload... Okay, I I appreciate that it's a high fantasy setting and by high fantasy, you know, we're referring to the original terms provided in the DM Guide where you can have a, you know, uh, low fantasy setting that is closer to medieval Europe with just a little whiff of uh, magery and uh, clerical magic. You can have a mid-range one that is kind of more of what you consider the D&D standard. And then you can have a high magic or high fantasy campaign.
0: Where and, it's yeah, out right out the Landishly. The, the Forgotten Realms was a high a fantasy. And one of the things that I think wasn't as apparent to some people is that wizards in there represented a certain amount of safety and security as well as brung a stabilizing element. So civilization tended to flock around powerful spellcasters.
1: Yes, that uh, honestly, a town that didn't have. At least a few powerful spellcasters handy probably would not have survived in a, in a number of places, especially in the wilder lands, uh, where it was not densely populated. If you've got uh, two hundred thousand humans living in an area, you can muster the kind of force it takes to eject even dangerous magical creatures. If you have a city state of maybe ten thousand people you can be plowed under by orcs over the weekend. Yeah. So, you know, having a 16th-level mage park his tower in the middle of your city is a win, huh? you know, when you're just hunkering down with a village. And, and
0: also, with them going forward with uh, other things about the Forgotten Realms, uh, they became kind of tr- uh, trote. Trite. Yeah. Right. And rote. Combined the word together. Um, the drow, which were supposed to be very rare, Seem to be pretty uncommon, or common around the Forgotten Realms, as well as Beholders, which were also very rare creatures.
1: Yeah, they were constantly, like, <laughs> Jiminy Pete, they were like moles, you know, you just, you can't turn over a rock without a drow nose poking up under. Hey, Hey, whatcha doing? Paralytic
0: ball? <laughs> oh! Ow!
1: Uh, just everywhere you turned, drow making themselves a nuisance, Beholders, uh, underwater deep, uh,
0: you know, In the, the countryside. The, the underground cabal of beholders.
1: Uh, yeah. But, yeah, all right, some of these themes may have been a little overplayed. Yeah. Uh,
0: but, you know, slowly but surely, the Forgotten Realms would change again, and with the rise of 3rd edition... Um, they re the Forgotten Realms. Initially, 3rd Edition was highlighting Greyhawk as its core campaign, but they also brought back the Forgotten Realms.
1: Yeah, I, a decision I agree with, because uh, in the 3rd Edition, they were uh, very much trying to solve the niggling problems of calculation that had haunted D&D since its origins. And as we covered in the episode on Edition Wars, uh, third edition came up with a rule set that I, I think after they had ironed it out and gotten it to 3.5 was very stable uh, and very multifunctional. I mean, you you could really plug and play a lot of different things with the same system. So the open gaming license, uh, too, was a hot idea. But I agreed with bringing back Greyhawk the way they did because it was the flagship. I mean, it, it's... You know, the mothership has landed,
0: man. Oh, yeah, uh, and it's it's true that taking it right back to its core is a good idea, but in this, Forgotten Realms deserved an update. And unlike uh, from first to second, they just couldn't coast on established mm-hmm. lore. So it did call for a complete overhaul of the realms, and they did take it apart at certain points. Um, getting and, rid of some of the vexing questions. Yes, gunpowder was still around, but. It was kind of suborned. It put, was pushed away. and
1: Along well, with the dead magic areas and the post-Time of Troubles, they, they maintained the new pantheon post-Time of Troubles. Uh, so the deities were in place as they had been in the past.
0: And Zhentarim Keep had reached back to being Diabolists. Yeah. And uh, demons were now prowling around, cults of demon lords and such were formable Like, uh, in the Savage North, uh, near um, the Mines of Bloodstone, there was the Cult of Orcus had kind of, like, just disappeared. Now they're back. Yeah, they brought back a lot of
1: classic material. Uh, Much to my hearty approbation, I was very pleased to see that uh, more of the original first edition themes entrenched themselves. And a lot of the material from Time of Troubles. It wasn't gone, but it was no longer... Campaign centric; it was no longer Mm -hmm. the emphasis. So, a DM with only a very small amount of fudging could brush under the carpet some of the stuff that may they maybe they objected to. Well, all right, let's just stop saying they.
0: I, I. Well, yeah, and and (laughs) not feel like you have to re-explain the whole campaign setting. After all, if you're buying a prepared, uh, pre-written campaign, you want to be able to use all of it and. The kind of commonality of experience of everybody knowing what they're getting into is kind of one of the selling points. You don't have to re-explain your campaign world; most of the players are already familiar with it and can are conversant enough to create characters.
1: I'm usually happy if I can harvest at least seventy or eighty percent and leave it untouched. Uh, you know, with just me tweaking a few things as I see fit. Yeah. Uh, and you know, any campaign. Setting module event type thing that comes out. If I can use most of it, I'm in a pretty happy place. So yeah, yeah. the third edition restored that dignity. It really, it it brought it back into the fold, uh, and it it continued alongside Greyhawk uh, as like sister campaigns. The long-standing, you know, the 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 grand old Dom, uh, our Greyhawk. And, of course, the younger sibling trotting along right on its heels, pretty yeah. the realms.
0: So, a pretty golden era there. Yeah, almost the Bronze Age. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, if the first edition was the Golden Age and the second was Silver, then third edition would be definitely the Bronze Age. But that analogy starts to fall flat when fourth edition came out. And we're, we're just going to be honest here. We're so biased,
1: okay? I, we're not going to lie to people, you know, we promised ourselves going into this, that if we're going to get up here and we're going to pontificate on these things, uh, then we're going to be super candid about our own biases and our own uh, serious prejudices about editions. Uh, we are not 4th edition literate in the, the strong sense. We have a marginal familiarity. Uh, we, we know some of it, but I have almost no experience with any of the 4th edition products I can only assume a lot of nice people did some very hard work to present it, but I never found that out. I never cracked any of those books. I never made use of 4th edition, so... Uh, yeah,
0: we're just going to have to... I kind of
1: got one major look at it and then ran away screaming, uh, pulling the hair from
0: my head. Just, ah! Yeah, and if you like 4th edition, then, you know, if you like 4th edition, I'll know... Yeah, if
1: you had fun, exactly as I said in the beginning, you ran... Randy's, like, right on here. If you had a great time and you hit your stride as a gamer and the table was rocking, good on you, man. Good on you. You made the best of it. You had a great time. Nothing's going to take that away, man. All right. Not even crusty old me. Uh.
0: Yeah, so (laughs) in that vein, uh, Forgotten Realms would move into uh, a new era, and we just don't know much about it, so we're not going to say a whole lot. Um, I know a little bit from just doing some research and that it moved 200 years forward and it changed some things, um, that some people agreed with and some people didn't. And if that was your drop point into getting into gaming and that's where you learned the Forgotten Realms, then probably all this stuff that we've talked about before is, uh, maybe interesting to you, but, you know, you learned the Forgotten Realms of a different era that we really don't, uh, understand, or are conversing with enough to have a commonality of experience and conversation. That said... Needless to say, I'm, I'm still grateful.
1: They carried yeah. it. They carried it along. They did. Uh, you know, as a campaign setting that was available to players. Uh, and even if it went in some directions uh, game-wise, you know, in terms of game mechanics that I didn't like, uh, the fact was, I mean, they stayed with it. They, they stayed in the game and they kept it relevant
0: until... Yep, 5th edition, and that's where our analogy of the three ages falls short, because I think it was a renaissance of Dun- what Dungeons & Dragon is. The core experience was made anew again, it borrowed elements from almost all editions, The sword fourth. that was broken was reforged! They took the Progotten Realms back to a new start point, and they didn't retcon anything as much as they just kept it going. Yeah. And, uh picked up the pieces and ran with it. And so there has been things that changed, like typhling and dragonborn. We're not in the original first or second or third edition as much, but they made them a core part. Um And there's a lot of stuff that went well with how Forgotten Realms developed for this new edition. And I think that is important to note that they've carried the strong points like... um Several supplements have already been out in modules. Uh, one of them is uh, the guy like uh, Bolo's guide to the Realms.:
1: Oh, now here's something here, this is this is too important for us to miss as okay. we as we draw near the end here. Uh, there is a lot of contention about the fact that at present, Forgotten Realms has become the flagship campaign Greyhawk has not um, you know, in this fifth edition. Uh, Forgotten Realms has taken a front seat. I agree with that not because I'm a Forgotten Realms fan unabashedly. I I am, but that's not why I'm happy. Uh, Perversely, it is because Greyhawk is also really dear to me. It was the more fixed, the more ancient, uh, the the origin point from which all of this emerged and I'm a lot shyer about tampering with Greyhawk radically uh, and incorporating it into a new age than I am about altering Forgotten Realms a bit and tweaking it to enter a new era. So I'm, I'm very happy to see Forgotten Realms prospering in this new edition and becoming a mainline campaign setting. Uh, it has ruffled some feathers here and there that traditional modules, modules that date back to the very first edition, are being uh, kind of reinvented and uh, rebranded and are popping up in a Forgotten Realms-based setting with, like, all new locations. Uh, Now, any DM worth their salt that goes back far enough to remember the early days uh, knows that... Just because you bought a module and it provided a location setting on the Greyhawk map, did not mean that you were bound by law to play that only in Greyhawk setting. You could, you, you literally snatch ninety-eight percent of the material out of there, change the names, and pow—you know, whatever setting you were in, you played.
0: Well, and of course that you know is uh, probably a subject for another podcast. But uh, I wanted to try to wind it down a little bit with about an ode to where the Forgotten Realms is going and one of the things that they're doing right I feel that is important is they're creating new legends. Okay. And we can um get misty eyed and, you know oh, little weepy yeah. about the old good old days. But you know what? Screw the old days. Here's yeah. the new days. You know, I, I love they my experiences but you know days. I'm not going to uh, hold them above anybody's head like you either worship at the altar of Gygax or you die. Oh,
1: yeah, all right. You know, yeah, I, even I, uh, crusty, grumpy, and uh, mm-hmm. middle-aged as I may be, uh, am not willing to go to that extreme. I, I love that it's entering another era. That it's, it's yeah, relevant the, well, the in cult a new, of new time.
0: Dragon Queen, a uh, dragon is around. Uh, that was highlighted right on the first uh, kind of adventure path that they did. Water deep Heist is excellent, <laughs> and you know they pulled. They're pulling all the right things because they're making new legends. I mean, there's new characters that you know, these new kids today playing with their new NPCs that and villains and creating new adventures, boy, I yeah, it's a great day. Yeah, this is a I, great time.
1: Not sorry at all. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I am yeah I am enamored of the fact that this has kind of crossed a generational barrier and uh, you know, it's not going to go in the direction that I would have taken it in, <laughs> because the direction I want to go is something that like was kind of ingrained in me almost 35 years ago, and I, it's not some fixed and absolute lodestar that we must all bow towards. Yeah, we... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not prepared for that level of rigid commitment. I'm excited about creativity in a very general sense, and I'm seeing so much of it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm happy that Forgotten Realms has found a place in being a part of that creativity because its template for letting people kind of build on it uh, was ingrained. It was baked right into it from the yep. get-go. Um, and they're things, still true.
0: The Forgotten Realms was the Nexus Point Brawl campaigns. Greyhawk, to a lesser extent Dragonlance, could all enter in.
1: Oh, the yeah. rums.
0: it touched in all places now it, that's actually a factor of the original uh you know uh, setting was that it you know, add gates into your homebrew campaign and vice versa if you wanted to or not. This was a nod to the
1: original writings uh of Ed Greenwood in pages of the mages where it was as you know, it was written as we mentioned in the previous episode to create the impression that Ed Greenwood was periodically visited by a crazy wizard who would just wander in on occasion uh, via extraplanar travel. And that concept remained present in the Forgotten Realms setting. The idea that you yeah, could Gordon accidentally... Yeah, Gordon like, and Delmar
0: from Kryn, they all met and had a conclave at Ed Greenwood's house. And so spells, some people in the early days... Just going to pontificate on this real quick as my mind is down. Some people said, "Well, those spells only exist in the forgotten realms." And Ed Green was like, bullcrap. Oh, crap! Uh, Why not? Uh, these spells get copied in one wizard spellbook, and you know this wizard leaves here, gets sent to the astral plane, and drifts into your campaign world. Use, abuse, and have at as much as you want, or restrict as much as you want. It's your world. You're the DM. You decide." Yeah, if you want these spells
1: in your campaign, hey. It's magic. <laughs> yeah, so...
0: And that went for a lot of the stuff that is great about the Forgotten Realms, and it's in the new era, and they're creating new stuff. I mean, I really dug the characters out of uh, Waterdeep Heist uh, that have been introduced and now have gained a certain uh, legendary status because of that. And that's how you do it. That's how you create new legends. Adventure, not novels.
1: Yeah, it's it's got to be something that players connect to. And novels are great, I love, you know, you're talking to two people who love books, love reading, uh, but there is a dividing line between the in-game experience of multiple players and the purchase and reading of a book. Uh, And what really distinguishes a great game is players all over the place playing it with different DMs, different friends, different tables, yeah even different home rules and things like that uh but it if it impacts on them the right way it becomes a kind of commonality of experience that mm-hmm. that we all look back on with fondness uh whether it's uh, <laughs> oh boy i went through so many characters in tomb of horrors <laughs> yeah uh, you know those those things uh, can exist in the future of Forgotten Realms. And it's it's happening right now and I I am not dissatisfied. So it's it's been a topsy turvy journey with many ups and downs for me. But I am not discontent.
0: Well and it, that's a good point for us then Don. And uh we thank you for tagging along with us on this kind of journey. Oh, yeah. Rambling as it is. Thanks to those of you everywhere who sent messages, too. Uh, Yeah. We had a lot of feedback on this, so appreciate you all. And we did touch on a lot of the subjects. Uh, We didn't mention you by name. Uh, You know who you are, and you know what the topics that were brung up.
1: Oh, yeah. See, Thorin, by the way, if you catch this one, uh, I I had just listened to the the episode on cities. Uh, Enjoyed it very much.
0: Yeah. But as our time is waning... We shall leave you with this thought. May the dice always, always rolling roll in your heart. favor. We're out. See ya.